Today, I'm with Dan Potter. Thank you very much for coming and doing this My Story interview. Dan, just give the listeners a brief introduction as to your early life. Sure. Thanks, Malcolm. Uh, great to spend some time with you. I got brought up in in kind of rural place and just outside Aberystwyth in Wales. So my memories of childhood are kind of adventure, really, uh, is the main theme for me there. And... I would spend hours and hours walking around with friends in the woods, exploring the local mines and <laughs> bike riding around the local area, uh, getting into all sorts. It's a lovely country because it's got so many different aspects to it in a small patch of land. You've got your beaches, you've got your mountains, the valleys, and it sounds as though you had a bit of an adventurous young life. Yeah, in the sense of exploring the countryside, and I still love to go back there now the Breckens isn't so far I love wild camping so I'll I'll take a hammock and tarp and go and string myself up between two trees spend a couple of nights there if I can do you do that in the summer months you don't do that in the winter months do you a few years ago I was with a friend we went over to the Cambrian mountains to a bothy which is essentially a, a very basic structure that anyone can go and turn up at and camp out in we were there I think it was late January driving snow down the valley walking waist deep in freezing cold rivers in order to reach this place that we could barely find in the dark thankfully we were able to get a fire going when we arrived yeah i'll go any time of year obviously your younger days gave you the confidence and experience to be adventurous today i moved away from there when i was seven my dad felt a call to train as a methodist minister so we actually moved to bristol for him to do that when I first visited back in in Wales apparently the first thing I did as a seven-year-old kid was just run down the garden and climb the cherry tree and refuse to come back down because I didn't want to leave again <laughs> oh dear now are this interesting you mentioned that your dad trained as a Methodist minister possibly that's where your faith kicked off from yeah it was quite an influence him him going to train as a minister particularly knowing he'd not always been a Christian when he first proposed to my mum she'd actually said no because he wasn't a Christian and it was yeah interesting to hear about how he kind of journeyed and became a Christian for himself and obviously they finally did get married so his journey to faith was was definitely an influence and also Methodism particularly was quite an influence to me in hearing the story of the Wesley brothers John Wesley it seemed been quite a few places around the country and never met uh, necessarily a peaceful crowd that he was preaching to and would often get chucked in a local river or beaten up by the miners and things like that and hearing his passion and determination all started from this his heart being strangely warmed as he recorded in a diary passion that he took from that moment on really struck me as a young lad and as a teenager even when my experience of church and the Methodist church was oftentimes boring. I always kept a hold of something of a bit of fire in the belly, so to speak, from the story of John Wesley. Just to fill in some gaps, you got brothers and sisters? Three younger siblings, a brother and two sisters. When I was a teenager, we also had a foster brother for a little while. Do they live nearby or are they all scattered around now? They're spread around a little bit in the UK. Yeah, I see them from time to time, mainly at big family gatherings. Yeah. So you moved to Bristol when you was about seven. That's right, yeah, seven. Was that a, that a bit of a shock to you? Was you quite content in Wales? I remember 
the last time that I was cycling around the valley with my friends and realising it would be the last time I saw them cycling away, crying my eyes out as a little kid. But I think I enjoyed moving around and I moved around quite a lot after that around England. I always saw a new opportunity, you know, to start in a new school, meeting new people. I was always up for that. I think different people respond to it differently. Some people hate moving, but I, I quite enjoy it. And I've got friends all around the country now to, to, uh, to connect with. Now, it sounds as though you did move around quite a lot. I think you said you spent a couple of years in Bristol and then you moved on from there. That's right, yeah. I spent five years in Manchester, which was a bit of an experience, a bit more kind of inner city. I lived fairly near to Salford, which is reputedly pretty rough. You know, my school, I remember having CCTV cameras and barbed wire fences. Vividly, still remember seeing someone get lamped over the head with a, a metal bar in the school corridors and it was a bit of an experience and I sort of did what I could to survive that really. That was only three years in the high school there before then moving to Lancashire to a more rural village and had some fantastic friends in, in a school there that was my teenage years really where I've still got very good friends there that I go back and see from time to time. So this moving around really was connected with your dad's ministry? That's right. In some ways, it's made me a little bit nomadic in, in my own choices when I've been somewhere more than 12 months to start getting itchy feet. So I've, I think throughout my early 20s, I'd moved annually 11 times in a row by the time that I'd had my first child. So yeah, moved about quite a bit. And you can see the positive side of all that, can you? Not not perhaps a negative. Yeah, and I'm, I'm lucky enough that my, you know, my parents were fantastic and really felt like a stable family home. Whilst I didn't always do what I was told and far from it at times, I always had that safe place to come back to. It didn't feel too unsettling for me. I'm sure there were times where I felt that in the moment, but looking back, I just enjoyed the experience really. So for me, moving around is not a sort of running away from anything. It's just sort of taking on new opportunity. When it comes to you thinking about what I might do when I get older did you have any inkling as to what your career path might be that's such a big question as a teenager for me uh, particularly after I'd come, become a Christian actually at the age of about 15 feeling like there was this sort of destiny for my life that I needed to fit into you know this one path maybe and I didn't want to get it wrong so it was a bit of a journey for me transitioning into a mindset where actually there's a whole host of choices that God would have pleasure in me taking you know the world's a oyster in some ways so my prayers turned from rather than asking God specifically what is it you want me to do it was more like God I feel like I'm meant to do this and please stop me if it's not right I understand that you've got brothers and sisters your parents did some fostering as well that's right yeah it was a a friend of the family kind of connection and he spent some time with us a lot of it was positive but not all of it we, we kind of you know got, got through together as a family and it, it but it actually really shaped us has shaped me yeah, fostering is something that we've come back to me and Kate are married and and uh, we actually started doing some fostering ourselves during lockdown that's good I know there's couples in our church that part of the fostering system here in Midsummer Norton and uh, it's very encouraging to hear what's going on well done for that but I'm sure it can be hard work did you have a, a feeling of God guiding you or was you just felt a free hand and then be blessed by it well at the time it, it was something that I was consciously asking God of you know where am I meant to be going it just felt like things fell into place like looking back I can see God's hand in where I now 
would say he guided me but at the time it felt like it was a bit more free-flowing I ended up cancelling a, a gap year that was meant to be taken with a girlfriend to Australia after we broke up and, and I ended up going to Dudley with Youth for Christ so that was a bit of a different plan that was a project a little bit like the Eden project in Manchester whereby we were living in a, a quite a rough area and working alongside some of the young people who lived around there and that's really shaped what I've done as I've as I've got older I am now still doing community based youth work it sounds as though you're really connected to inner city or certainly that type of environment yeah sure I I remember for the first time seeing someone who was homeless when I visited in in the centre of Manchester one time and that memory has really stuck with me you know as a kid it didn't make sense why is this guy living on a street when we've got a spare room it was as simple as that but yeah it's something that stuck with me and I think God has put in my heart passion to to work amongst people who are perhaps less fortunate and struggle with life a little bit. Moving on a bit university did anything inspire you what to study? I really loved seeing how things work. I had a fantastic physics teacher at college, so I, I went off and studied physics at Warwick, but I didn't work very hard once I got there. I, I'm more of a, an extrovert, so I didn't concentrate too much on my studies. Loved meeting new people, uh, started playing in a band, taking Coventry by storm in, in all the bars and, and pubs there. So I managed to scrape a degree out of it. I don't think that was my biggest takeaway. Now, I know physics has probably got lots of different branches. Was there a particular branch of physics you were studying? There was more one that I was trying to avoid, which was astrophysics, which, which is partly why I chose Warwick. It didn't have any astrophysics as part of its main content, so I got by without studying that. Oh, it sounds like you've got a lot of interest as well, playing in a band. Have you got a favourite instrument? I started on piano as a kid and then violin in my early teens, playing in an orchestra there. That was good because it was social. And then playing guitar in this band and then later drums. I think I love smashing out on some drums. It's good and you don't have to worry about what key you're playing in. For the most expression, I would say guitar is my favourite instrument. With your Christian faith, have you put your musical talents into practice with worship at all? Yeah, I've enjoyed it at different times getting into worship i've i've had quite a lot of different church experience growing up in the methodist church and then i was part of a free church on my gap year and then later at university at elim pentecostal church and then house church and then baptist church so i've had a bit of a spectrum there and during some of those times worship's been a particular focus and i've really yeah enjoyed getting involved there with playing the guitar not singing though don't let, don't make me sing <laughs> right dan university you've finish university you i think you've admitted you, you scraped through <laughs> yeah how about family life just tell the listeners how things progress from university well kate and i we both knew of each other we were invited by some mutual friends to live in a big shared house together at university and that's when kate and i really got to know each other better we didn't get on at first actually <laughs> and then but, but by the end of the year we agreed to take things slowly i think were my words and started dating and then were married a year later we enjoyed being in Coventry but felt God sort of moving us on from there strong calling to go to Bristol specifically moved down there lived in a few different places around Bristol including in the, in the city centre in one of the Woodlands community houses we left there in order to have our first child that was our first of three we've got three daughters three daughters yes um Bristol it sounds as though as you rightly said that you felt strong calling to Bristol and you've been here in in a way ever since what have you been doing as a career yeah so I 
really wanted to get into youth work but when we were first married there were no youth work jobs that were going to pay me anything so uh, I looked into teaching and could get paid to train to teach so I did that and then taught for a, a number of years before leaving and getting back into youth work once I got my degree and and some experience under my belt it's always been the case that what other people might call naughty kids at school you know were the ones that I was drawn to but wanted to work with more on a sort of social basis rather than a formal education basis I handed my notice in without really knowing what I was going to be going to and then not long after was working for a Baptist church in Thornbury just north of Bristol in a, a community youth work role there which was fantastic. How long was you there for and where did you move on to? I was there for for about nine years all told it was a new role so I got to shape that it was it was fantastic seeing all sorts of different things come into being so that as well as the existing youth clubs there was one-to-one mentoring which I I ran with volunteers from the church there there was detached youth work which is a sort of street-based youth work supporting the needs and interests of kids who are hanging out on the streets also a skate park project where we uh, when we sort of refurbished a local skate park and and we built a, a cafe in a shipping container there that was sort of set up by and uh, and with the young people who used it at the skate park who are now working in the cafe serving the the younger kids there so that's really great to see that go full circle and then once I'd left that role I'm now in a role in the city centre of Bristol an organisation called Urban Pursuit which takes on uh, young people who don't get on with the mainstream system uh, and they come and, and spend a day a week with us. It's a personal social development programme, but we engage the kids through adrenaline sports and adventure activities. So it's lots, lots of fun. The work that you do, can it be frustrating because you want to get things right for the kids? I don't know, every situation is probably different or maybe it's not. You see the same thing over and over again. I take it you're encouraged by the work you do and and not get despondent. Yeah, there's lots of encouraging stories. Sometimes it's it feels like you're banging your head against the brick wall when things are continuing to go wrong or when you see sort of cyclical issues like unemployment in families generation after generation. But there are lots of times where where you see things make a real change. Where I've spoken to parents of kids who describe their young people as a completely different character or where you see people get into work with a passion they've never had before or uh, just become a part of the community where they've previously felt excluded a hugely worthwhile invested in doing youth work and there's loads of fantastic youth workers out there yes that must give you a sense of achievement to know those stories and, and to be told what's happening yeah it's great and certainly in the job that I'm doing now we measure our impact by asking schools for their their records of attendance and behavioural issues with the kids that we're working with. Again and again, we see those things improve, which for me just gives a a great hope that they're going to be able to engage more with whatever they put their minds to in the future. It's really, as well, just, I think, working out the heart of God, you know, and he, he would never give up on anyone. And lots of these kids that we work with, they've been excluded from school. They've been, some of them, kicked out of home. They're really pushed away or forgotten about or thought little of at times my strong belief is that god just never gives up and that these people have have got something to give and there's something inside of them that just needs to be seen by others and encouraged and a fire lit and see the spark come alive in them really this is driven by your faith but the organizations you work for are they christian organizations or secular organizations 
So as I mentioned, I worked for a church previously, although the, the community project itself wasn't overtly proselytizing, if you want to think of it like that. Organization I'm working for now was set up by a guy who's a Christian, and there are some Christians who work there, but it's again, it's not an exclusively uh, Christian place. Wherever you are, I just think if you're being your authentic self and you're a Christian, then you're going to see some great stories. Just thinking back to the the community project up in Thornbury, remember taking a bunch of kids down on a skate park tour around the southwest, and we I think we visited eight or nine skate parks over two days and camped out at night, and there's some brilliant stuff going on there, getting to know these guys. A guy that we met at one of the skate parks who'd done his ankle and he wasn't able to skate and he, he had it in a cast, I think, and a couple of us were sort of just got chatting to him and prayed for him and he was absolutely healed straight away, you know. So that that certainly created some stories from amongst the guys that we'd taken on this skate tour. Lots of conversations going on from that, as you can imagine. Wow. Dan, uh, there can be sometimes some conflict with Christian faith and the secular world. Are you quite confident or do you feel at ease with just being yourself as a Christian, expressing God's love? I think growing up, I definitely felt a pressure and, you know, recoil at the word evangelism with the pressure of having to, you know, do things a certain way. Certainly inspired by my wife, Kate, who's a, a real natural and just being herself and loving people. I would certainly advocate that that's the way that I see things, that just to be more comfortable with who you are and sharing faith comes naturally then. It's not something that you... I necessarily feel I have to do it's actually because I genuinely care about my colleagues or the kids that I'm working with and I'm telling them about something that's been uh, life transforming for, for me sometimes that's not received well at all I work with kids who spend their whole day effing and jeffing and I've been through some hairy moments having knives pulled out and things like that if you're building a good relationship with these people they can tell that you genuinely care then they're not going to mock you when, when you're talking about your faith Dan, you're a very busy man. Uh, you're in the community in a, in a big way and you do a lot of caring for a lot of people. How about caring for yourself? Have you got lots of interests or what interests might you have? I'm not particularly good at this, but I do like to get a bit of time away if I can. That's normally the way that I do it. I'll, I'll get away from home and go and do something completely different. I'm not very good at resting at home always, although I like to be out in the garden sometimes and grow my veg and things like that. That slows me down. So when you get away from everything, where do you go and what do you do? One of my favourite times of year is my boys' weekend up at Loch Lomond. I've got a friend who's got some boats uh, up at, on the loch there. These are power boats, and we can get uh, get across to the islands on Loch Lomond and camp on the islands to do water skiing and, and things like that. It's it's uh, lots of good fun, as you might imagine. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, Scotland's a lovely place. You've got to get the weather right with Scotland, though, haven't you? Yeah, it's it's more helpful if it's warm. But as I said, it's uh, you know it doesn't stop me if it's raining. I'll get out anyway long walks to camp in overnight i've got a canoe as well i like to take a canoe out down the river and go camping happy to do that in the rain Loch Noman is not that far from Loch Ness you haven't been up to Loch Ness have you spotted the monster i've not no to do that how far have you gone up you've gone up to john o'groats oh we had a great family holiday some time ago where we we borrowed a friend's camper van we went up it was a two-week trip we were in a different location every night and had the kids they were very young at the time and we stopped up through england seeing some friends and then yeah got across to to scotland up the west coast there going across a couple of islands and up to fort william and then across to the Cairngorms, back via Edinburgh Fringe Festival. It was a, a great trip. Oh, yes. No, it will. My wife and I, we did a tour of Scotland last year. 
really enjoyed it. I can imagine that you had a good time. Some fabulous scenery. I'm not going to compare it with Wales, but it's different. So you mentioned gardening. That's quite relaxing gardening. and You obviously enjoy gardening. Just explain to listeners what you get up to. Oh, it's good, isn't that Just connecting with the with the earth in whatever way, even if my veg doesn't make a great success. I could geek out and talk about permaculture gardening and getting alongside nature and the no-dig that um, I'm, I'm really enjoying. Now, no-dig sounds like an excuse for not doing too much work. <laughs> yeah, well, it certainly is easier. Yeah, have the same effects as well. So there's there's a guy actually just down the road from here called Charles Dowding, who's been described as the godfather of the no dig. I went down on a course with him, and he's he's got two vegetable beds side by side that he's been comparing for about eight or nine years now where he, he digs one of them over and leaves the other one no dig, just puts compost on top, plants the same thing in each of them. The, the no dig bed has always done better over the years. Yeah, produce more crops. So you, you've adopted that principle with your garden and and you've got much space in your garden you've got a kind of medium-sized garden yeah and enough weeds that's for sure you've got enough space to what just grow is it mainly vegetables or you do a mixture of everything flowers as well at the moment our, our house and garden are a bit of a project we've moved down here with a view to getting more, a bit more space and more bang for your buck with the house, partly to do fostering and to expand our hospitality a little bit. So there's a lot of work to be done on the house, which is taking priority, and the garden will, will hopefully come this year as well. So it sounds as though you might want a hand with the gardening. So if there's anybody out there with a spare time, can come and give you a hand with your no dig. Well, uh, Neil Neil Ross has all, already uh, helped us with a, a few ideas. Uh, so yeah, but anyone with a bit of muscle and a spade, always welcome. Great. Have you got pets or what? Have you got any stories about pets or what? Yeah, well, we've currently got a dog who takes a lot of our uh, energy and it's a, a German pointer. Yeah, my real love was, was a, a snake that I used to have, a corn snake. Sadly, when after we got married, I had to get rid of it. But it was, it was fair enough, really, because Kate was never keen on it. But then at one point, we were due to move out of our flat in Bristol and move up to Thornbury a, a week or two before we were due to go. The snake escaped. So we were left with this dilemma of do we leave a note for the new tenants or, or do we just leave it? It was a couple of days after we moved up to Thornbury, we got a phone call from our old neighbour saying, oh, we just found a snake on the footpath, I think it might be yours. So it survived and we we took it back home, but Kate was very keen from that point to get rid of it. She didn't really fancy a snake wandering around the house. No, no the bits can be a bit scary. I, I presume it wasn't a poisonous snake. No, it was only a small constrictor, about six foot. Oh, right. Oh, dear. Yeah, OK. We'll move on on that one. Um, right, so you moved, just coming back to where you are now, you've moved to this area, Midsummer Norton area, from Thornbury. Just explain some of the things around that. Yeah, well, as I mentioned before, we did some fostering during lockdown. That's something that's been on our heart for a while, but also just kind of hospitality and, and expanding our family. We've done various things at, at different times where we've had lodges or hosted groups at our house for sort of people on the edge of, of faith and things like that so we really wanted a bit of space to be able to do that a bit more fully so that was part of the idea being down here so we're we're busy trying to uh, do up our house a little bit it's, it's a slow process but we're getting there hoping to do the same have lodges have use our house for extending family and, and an invitation to the people in our village and our community and church and, and beyond nitty-gritty of, of life and faith sort of mix in and, and see people come to know something of god the move to here obviously your children have settled into the local schools all right and so this year could be a busy year with your 
DIY skills or whatever it is you need to do to your house. Yeah, it's certainly busy, but the, the kids muck in at times. They're not shy of holding a drill and making holes and <laughs> uh, causing a bit of damage with paint on the walls. Yeah, and but they're cracking on with school just fine. The eldest is at, at the blue school and the others over at Tuton Primary. You're not living too far away from Midsummer Norton, so the, the, the place you're now in um, sounds as though you've got a bit of a vision for it as well. Just explain to the listeners something about the house. The, the extended family and, and hospitality piece is really people living with us. That might be fostering lodgers, people coming to, I don't know, come from retreat for the weekend and have a break and just use it as a bit of a countryside getaway. But the, there's an additional feature in the house, if you like, which is that uh, the, there was a room upstairs on a, one of the old parts. It's quite an old part, an old house, and there's uh, the, the oldest part is uh, sort of late 1600s, and there was another part of the building that was built in the 1800s. And it was around that time that there was a room used, uh, a Wesleyan meeting society. So this was just after the Wesley brothers had died and people were becoming Christians down in Ston Easton and would would meet there and it was consecrated as a as a church for a, a, about a period of about 80 years or so so it's a nice story to come full circle with my Methodist upbringing. What brought you to Wilton Baptist Church? Well we initially found it by googling when we when we first came down here and there it was and we were surprised in a, such a rural area to find a church of more than 40 people uh, with a pulse but uh, there was this big group it's it's been fantastic to find others fostering getting involved in social projects and with a, a real heart for outworking their faith uh, so we're really excited about being here and it's great already kind of making connections with people who support and prayerfully uh, support our vision for the house and and uh, joining in with us on uh, seeing that come to being. I mentioned before, anyone with a shovel is welcome to help with the garden. But if anyone's got a paintbrush, then you're welcome around the house as well. Yes, I think this is an in- invitation, Dan. Anybody listening that really wants to get alongside you guys and contribute to the work that you're doing, it just actually sounds brilliant what you are doing, and how strong your faith is in in stepping forward, taking on this. It's not a challenge, it's a new chapter in your lives. Yeah, it's an opportunity, and it's something we don't see it as something we're doing on our own. We, it's the things that God's put in our heart, so we don't want it to be become a burden. It's just an outworking of what He's He's doing in us. Really, we'd we'd love one day to see this old chapel sort of repurposed as something something new. We love to be up there from time to time, even though there's no heating. Get a guitar out and and worship, and and imagine the the people of yesteryear all gathering there and worshiping God together and and growing in faith. Dan, it's been really great to hear your story. I'm sure the listeners will be engaged with what you've said. So, Dan, once again, thank you very much for your time. We look forward to hearing more stories from you. So thanks once again. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Thanks, welcome.